On this week's episode of PST Weekly, we have a former PST series announcer, Rich Vleck. He is now the weekly announcer at the Genesee Speedway in Batavia, as well as the uh, pit reporter on their special occasion shows at the Weedsport Speedway. Very good interview with Rich, uh, reciting his time with the Patriots, as well as uh, also working at BlackRock Speedway and all the other cool events that had happened uh, during his time being the uh, series announcer with the Patriots Sprint Tour. Uh, but folks, before we uh, begin this week's episode, I want to talk to you guys about Quackenbush Hardware. Quackenbush Hardware, located in the Finger Lakes in Geneva, New York. They've been in business for now over 40 years, and they are now under the new ownership of Brett Hoover. If you guys are in need of any type of home improvement or just things working around the house or if you're a contractor and you're looking for a new supplier of uh, products and services, definitely talk to Brent and the folks at Quackenbush Hardware. Let me list you a couple of those products and services they have. Window and screen repair, bagged and bulk coal, feeders, birdseed, grains, lawn and garden, plumbing supplies, cleaning supplies, seamless gutters, and woodmaster furnaces. The products and services is absolutely bottomless at Quackenbush Hardware. So if you want to see their full list, you can visit quackenbushhardware.com. That's quackenbushhardware.com. All right, let's start this week's episode of PST Weekly. Hello once again, race fans. Paul Harkner, the voice of the Patriot Sprint Tour, ready for episode number 13 of PST Weekly. Lucky number 13, the exclusive podcast of the Averdy Storage Containers Patriot Sprint Tour. A, another good show with us this week. Rich Vleck will join us on later into the program. Uh, finishing up this episode, and we're ending this week as a big win for the Dirt Racing Fraternity uh, as Christopher Bell picked up the win this week at the uh, Daytona Road Course. So score ones for the uh, sprint cars and midget racers and everyone that follows along on the dirt circuit. Um, we uh, picked up a win there on a, a big staged uh, NASCAR weekend with Christopher Bell uh, picking up that win this week. And, you know, I think we're starting to see a lot more progression of drivers that come from the dirt circuit. You know, we're going to start seeing them come more NASCAR rides. Uh, Kyle Larson was uh, really, really coming on strong though in the second half of that race. And then uh, kind of went for the win there with about four laps to go and then uh, crushed into those uh, Jersey barriers. And so, but a good week though for uh, the dirt racing stage though on the national level. Um, unfortunately on the 410 sides, uh, Mother Nature continue to win their ways. Uh, I just, with everything that's going on below the Sun Belt with the uh, freezing cold temperatures and ice and everything, uh, just unable to get any uh, shows in for the World of Outlaws. And so looking like a mid-April before we start seeing them on the track. So, you know, kind of unfortunate, though, because I know all the folks at World Racing Group, though, they put together a schedule with more southern states uh, simply because, well, the racetracks have less restrictions, uh, so to say. And so... Um, really not a whole lot going on the 410 side. Uh, I know we have a couple guys uh, still uh, racing down with the USCS. Uh, Poli Kogiovanni on the podium uh, conclude his uh, run time down there at Southern Speedway. Uh, Davey Frannick also ventured down that way. And so uh, some uh, good guys, though, on the local side uh, represented us uh, down south. And so we're going to move right into this week's interview because it was a pretty long, lengthy one, but it was a very good one. And uh, those of you though, that like anything about Patriot Sprint Tour history, uh, this is certainly a good one. Uh, Rich Vlack, who was actually the uh, former announcer with the Patriot Sprint Tour prior to me taking over that position back in uh, 2016. Um, Rich now is the weekly announcer at the Genesee Speedway, and then he also does a lot of uh, pit reporting for the Wheatsport Speedway. Uh, we really talk about a lot of different instances and different races that 
really uh, came came about though during his 12 years on the Patriots Sprint Tour, and uh, is also just kind of talking about how Rich prepares for a race. Uh, really interesting, and definitely any announcer out there should definitely aspire to have the work ethic that Rich does, myself included, uh, just simply because of all the preparation on statistics and other tidbits and other information that he can provide for race fans that only might only get to see sprint cars at that racetrack, you know, once or twice a year. And so providing information to those drivers where as opposed to on a weekly, it's continuation, it's episodic, so to say, that's really what, because what you heard about last week and that driver, really, you're just going to go back the next week. And so Really good interview with Rich, and so we're going to move right into this week's interview with former PST series announcer, Rich Vlack. Joining me this week, uh, former uh, PST series announcer, uh, Rich Vlack. Uh, Rich, now the weekly announcer at the uh, Genesee Speedway. Uh, Rich, uh, thanks for joining me the, this week on the podcast, but also, you know, how has the offseason been for you so far? Yeah, the offseason's always usually pretty busy. Um, you know, I'm a varsity basketball coach, and... For a while there, it was pretty dull, but uh, things have gotten into full gear, and um, it's been just nonstop uh, this past month, which is great. Um, so yeah, off seasons are usually pretty busy for me, getting away from racing a little bit, and uh, you know that'll take me through pretty much to the start of the season. Yeah, just talk about though the last uh, 2020. Obviously, a lot of things uh, ongoing, and uh, but you were able to get some races still at uh, Genesee Speedway. Uh, how do you kind of grade though 2020 though for at least for Rich Fleck? Uh, for me, it was a it was a C minus. C is usually average. Um, I don't think this was average, but we still got something done. I think the number was 11 races at Genesee, um, which isn't bad considering we normally get about 15 to 17. Um, so we're able to kind of function through a season a little. Um, most of those races didn't have fans. Um, but we were able to live stream a number of them. And then, uh, you know, Weedsport was pretty much shut down. That's my Sunday night track, or the track that uh, runs six to eight times a year. Um, but I was able to be part of the Oktoberfest broadcast on uh, three of those nights. And that was, a, that was a real cool experience as well. So I think in all, it was about 14 races on the season, you know, way lower than I'm used to. But um, I'll be honest with you, Paul, it gave me an opportunity to pause and kind of sit there and go, is that, you know, can I get away from racing uh, and kind of look at what would not be a, not being around racing look like? And it kind of confirms, no, I, I got to keep doing this. This is where I want to be on, on uh, week, weekend nights. Yeah, for sure. You know, myself included, you know, just getting four or five races in this season, uh, at least announcing and then just going to watch races in attendance. Uh, but you mentioned uh, not having any fans at some of those races, and it really seemed like, these live streaming companies that were able to stream races really needed to up their game this 2020 season. Uh, to, in your eyes, though, how important is it, though, now going forward, based on what we saw this last year of streaming races, and not necessarily for fans, though, that are locally and they can't attend, obviously, because they're not allowed to, but, you know, expanding that audience, though, beyond this Northeast region? Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important because – it shows that there's a lot of people that have interest in the racing, but the interest in investing a six hour night may, or, you know, more than that and the money that goes along with it and the, and the travel that may be involved um, sometimes outweighs it. If the weather's a little bit uh, unsure, um, 
So I think it reaches out to a number of people that maybe are more than 30 minutes or an hour away from that track. Um, they've got other commitments with family or, you know, other, uh, they're at another racetrack and they can still attend. Um, you know, I think it was really important to make sure that that was done this past year, of course, without fans, people were freaking out not to see um, their relatives. But, you know, I think it also became very clear that um, this is an opportunity to take in the most passionate race fans and still produce a, you know, a return on investment um, to do that while also reaching out to other people that can, you know, just kind of tune in a little bit here and there and, you know, pull it in on an iPad or a computer and still have something else going on at their house that night and still be tied into the, the happenings in the dirt world. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, you know, before we get more into this though, Rich, you've been doing this though for a lot of years now announcing, you know, as a series racer, a series announcer, as well as a, a weekly announcer, you do a lot of things on TV, especially being just a pit side reporter with weed sport though, but just kind of give us an opportunity though, to tell us where you got started to now where Rich Fleck is now today. Yeah, I've always loved announcing, um, got into racing a little bit more. I mean, I, I visited racetracks, you know, growing up, but a little bit more serious into my, uh, through my high school years. Um, my senior year of high school, I went to Black Rock every Friday night with Mike Paz, who was announcing at Watkins Glen and Daytona. He's from Rochester, like I am, and said, you got to come with me if you're serious about this. So basically, I announced the four cylinders. Um, they had me do a street stock or a super stock race once. And uh, that was too fast for me. Um, got to the end of that year, and uh, the Central New York Mini Sprints were interested in having me tour around with them. They wanted a tour announcer. I had, I had worked with a little bit uh, a couple of years prior. That uh, gentleman left before halfway of the season. Mike Emhoff took over. And, uh, you know, we had a great year with the Mini Sprints. At the end of that year, we were at Black Rock uh, running the Bully Hill Nationals. Um, at the end of that, uh, about a month or two later, they announced that they were going to Saturday nights so running 360s. Um, got a call from uh, Lynn Huff, who was saying, hey, you know, heard you look like, you know, you're a passionate guy that likes wing racing. Um, you know, Kenny and Morgan were going at uh, Woodhall because we were running on Saturday nights in 2004, said, do you want to be part of it? So um, I was at BlackRock in 2004. It was just a, it was a surreal year. I think I was uh, 18, 19 years old at the time, a number of the mini sprint guys, five or six of them migrated into the three sixties that year. You had, you know, guys like Mel Lane come out of retirement to race that season. It was awesome. And of course, at the end of that year, sprint cars went away from BlackRock. Um, you know, new management came in and I jumped with the Patriot sprint tour on a more full-time basis in 2005. Um, after 2005, BlackRock went back into the hands of Dean Hogue. Um, a little bit more permanently, and he brought me back on board, and I was on and off at BlackRock for another, I think, seven more years, and then with the Patriots through 2015. Um, basically got to the end of the 2015. Life on the road, as you know, Paul, is mm -hmm. it can tire you out sometimes, especially the number of races we were pulling out there, and um, got the call from Genesee that they were going under new management. It was a good opportunity, 35 minutes from home, um, you know, people I've been friends with and I've been there the last five years and at the same time was able to go in with Weedsport with their, um, pit reporting and kind of their next level production stuff that I was really intrigued about. So the last five seasons have been great. Um, 
I don't necessarily miss the time on the road, but I do miss all the sprint car races. Sure, sure. You know, and, and, you know, just talking about though your time uh, doing you know twelve seasons with the Patriot Sprint Tour, and you know, starting back in two thousand four, you you brought up a couple names like Mal Lane though. Kind of describe what sprint car racing was like in the early 2000s here in central New York, because we are a predominantly big block modified, uh, you know, with all these tracks in the area though. And sprint car racing sure was around with the ESS days, but then we have now two series, which now the Patriot Sprint, Patriot Sprint Tour as well as ESS. And kind of describe though what it was like being, you know, a part of a sprint car touring season, touring series, you know, traveling, in and around, you know, throughout the New York State and Pennsylvania, Ohio, as well as Ontario, Canada. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is back in 2004, sprint cars were um, a little more niche than they even are now. Um, if you were a modified fan, you really didn't want much to do with sprint cars. You, a lot of people, they just didn't like it. We did not run many races, big blocks and 360s on the same card. A lot of times there'd be a, a one-off big block race, maybe a super dirt series race somewhere. That's when the Patriots would go into Canada or Puka County. Um, so that was the biggest difference is that they didn't want to cross pollinate the fans. Now you look at it and a big block and a 360 card is, is really what a lot of people want because they can get both flavors of ice cream and they both taste really good. Um, that's the biggest difference I see in terms of how things have changed. Now there's been names that have come in and out. Um, a lot of the, the racers back in the day were um, a little bit more from the open wheel side, the micro sprint, the mini sprint. Um, you still have those guys coming up, but there's been more transplants of the modified ranks. I think guys like uh, you know Chuck Heaton, Jason Barney, Steve Fourier have helped to do that. But um, yeah, that's the, the number one thing in the last 17, 18 years is that um, the the way that sprint cars are being promoted now and being um, appreciated, people are still modified fans, but the sprint cars add that flavor that everybody really likes. Yeah, and I think one thing is interesting, especially in my last five seasons that I've been able to do be on the tour with the Patriots, though, is that you see a lot of guys though that come in from either a modified or even a crate sportsman and they move into a three sixty sprint car. But you talk about their dads though; they back in the eighties and nineties though they raced you know big block modified so. You know, it certainly is a challenge, and you're starting to see with the younger core, their dads might dads might not necessarily have raced, you know, a 360 sprint car, um, but they're the ones that will turn the wrenches. And so it's kind of a new learning curve for them as well, you know, going into today. Right, and they knew what it took, and they a lot of them, you know, Ray Preston and uh, you know Spider Thomas, these guys that they they were in it, but maybe they got a little late start to it, and now they knew what could help their sons be successful in it um no the the new blood is is sharp they're fast uh, like i said the, you go back 18 years the brains and uh brian howland was a rookie in 2004 um they were just as sharp jared's and barney was a rookie the year before um these guys are are on point and i think that helped it too racing got a lot better and therefore the the fans appreciated it more it wasn't just all oh, these guys crash all the time it was good racing yeah, for sure. You know, it also, you know, just kind of looking back on what you were doing, what you were doing with everything, though, is there a particular season, though, at all, though, Rich, though, that you can kind of recite or review, though, that like, man, that was a memorable season, whether, you know, it was a, a big race that happened or 
a champion that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, is there anything though that you can kind of look back on though, of, as far as a particular season though, that you, that kind of sticks out to you though, d- during your tenure? Wow. Yeah. 2004 was incredibly special to me because we had that Saturday night at BlackRock and then we toured around because um, the racing was just so, so good. Um, 2008, we had the uh, Ollie's Nationals at Sharon. Mm-hmm. And that was a three race series that um, Dave Blaney, Casey Kane, Tony Story put together with a sponsor. For if you win two of the races, I think it was $50,000. Um, so you had races at Sharon, Eldora, and Williams Grove. The Sharon race, we happened to have two races later in the year there and said, hey, you know, do you want us to run the show? We did. Um, Mike Emhoff ended up not being able to make that event. So we flew in um, Tommy from Oklahoma and I was kind of helping with it. But um, it was one of the races we televised for Hot Wings TV. But that race, Paul, had the rare ability for World of Outlaws drivers to go run a non-World of Outlaws sanctioned event. So you had Donnie Schatz passing Brian Howland halfway through the race um, <laughs> with Danny Lasowski second and Jason Myers was third. Or Jason Johnson, who ended up winning that 50000 was right there. And the, the, the class of field in that race, and it was a Patriot-sanctioned event, was surreal. That race was out of control. Um, in fact, somebody reached out to me, might have been Greg Barash, that said, do you have a copy of that for Hot Wings? And I haven't been able to find it, but just to go back 13 years ago, oh my goodness, this race was just chock full of drivers. And then the Tony Stewart and Casey Kane, Dave Blaney factor. Um, and the other one that sticks out was 2012 because we did that 10,000 to win promotion for the series. We had a ton of rainouts that year, <laughs> but it looked like Brian Holland was going to win another championship. We went to Erie Speedway, and he had like a $10 part break. And Scott Cruder won the race and won the championship. Um, I remember being in the booth when Mike is on the radio and goes, he, he's done? Because he was in the work area. He's done? And we all looked and gasped. We're like, wow, because it just was kind of assumed, okay, six different guys can win the race on the last night, but it looks like Holland's got it in the bag. And then Cruder goes ahead and wins it. Um, that was just a crazy season that, as I said, we wish we had more races. So many got rained out. But um, to have that big apple hanging at the top of it, to have Scott Cruder come and pick it up with uh, a, a whole host of rides over the course of the season, that one I won't forget either. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and Rich, one thing, though, that I remember, you know, particularly working with you when I started at Woodhall and, you know, even to today is, though, is your preparation, you know, and as well as the amount of stats though, that you can pull throughout the night. Given now, though, looking back, how much time do you think you really spent, you know, pulling different stats or even just different tidbits or notes that you can kind of keep the show rolling, though, with especially a sprint car race? You've talked about in different separate separate interviews about keeping, you know, the information tight for the fans because really you're, as a series announcer, you're only on for, say, at most seven races throughout the night, whether, you know, it's four heats, you know, a dash, a couple of B mains, and then the A. Um, how much preparation, though, did you put in week in and week out, though, uh, you know, giving information about these drivers to the fans? Yeah, there was a lot of preparation, um, especially early on trying to learn what the history that I had missed was. 
that was really important. Um, every race I went through, I had a, a spreadsheet of just that track. Um, a lot of times I could extract that information from other people, but if I did it on my own, I got a better, um, I got a better ability to learn the information because I was studying it and applying it um, the same way. So yeah, I put a lot of time into it. The, the number one was the Canadian Nationals. Um, it was at the beginning of the school year. It was always a little bit tight as a teacher, but the hours put in for the Canadian Nationals was, it was endless for a week. It was 40 to 50 hours. And yet to get to that Saturday night, and be able to extract a small bit of information. Like I think that guy's won six heat races in the last five, you know, last eight years. Um, it was always rewarding. And it's different now, you know, the tour, like you said, you got a small bit of information, it's gotta stay compact, but a lot of times information can be helpful. Um, we're at the racetrack at Genesee, at, uh, a little bit less at Wheatsport, but at Genesee especially, it's a narrative. It's like being morning radio. Um, most of the people that are listening can go back a week and understand where you picked off on last week's show. So I, I still do all my prep work, and I do it usually the, the night after the race and then prep it the day of, uh, now with Genesee. So that way I've got the information fresh on both ends. Um, but the story is a little bit more important than it was on tour. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of times, though, last couple of minutes, those, you know, Hot Wings TV, uh, you did the Atomic Power Racing Hour. You're also part of a lot of productions, though, with Speed Sport. Um, you know, in those shows, though, you're primarily, though, the pit reporter and the guy doing interviews. Uh, can you kind of highlight, though, some key differences, though, that, that someone that spends, you know, they're just up in the tower and they just call the weekly racing, you know, the play-by-play, -play, where versus, you know, being a pit reporter and obviously TVs being involved though. Um, how do you have to present yourself and how different is it though, than just announcing to, you know, the 500 to a thousand people in the stands. Cause you are, you know, talking to another audience. So that is going to be watching that on TV, you know, a couple months later or so. Right. And to, to make sure that people are getting an education about it. Um, one of the things that, you know, many people may realize is that when we, when we do, all those shows, Hot Wings, Atomic Power, Speedway Showcase, um, those are the ones that I produced. They were all um, done with the audio at a post-production date. So a month after the races had been held, we went into a studio and announced the broadcast. So that was always a tricky part because with those, I wasn't doing as much pit recording. Had people like Paul Small and um, Greg Byrosh who could hit that mark but I knew that if I was calling the race, I had to keep the energy up. Doug Elkins and myself did most of those. Um, but to create energy when it's in a box and you know what happens, that was always a little bit tricky and to deliver that information. So, again, being prepared, kind of knowing where I wanted to go with it, um, those, were, those were different. Um, you know, it's funny, the speed sport and the CBS stuff, um, we done Dirt Vision this past year, a lot of that's, I, all my work is done at the racetrack because it's live. Um, I make the live pit report, I do the stand-up, and a lot of times that's just a rush, and then it gets done, and that's it. I wait to see it on TV like everybody else. Um, with the shows that I was producing, once the night got done, 
you know, all the work started. Um, that was a lot of fun to put that out on the, uh, you know, on the local television, um, either affiliates or we were able to get it on Time Warner Cable Sports for so many years. It was great. Um, it was great exposure. We definitely hit a niche on it. Um, I did get to a point, I think it was two or three years ago, with my basketball responsibility stepping up, um, that it was getting more difficult to do it, even in the summer when I'm off of my teaching. So, you know, I was totally okay giving that away. I, as I said, I still like doing the pit reporting stuff, but video, video editing is another animal. And it's probably why you see so many people like Dirt Track Digest or, um, you know, Dirt, uh, dirt Vision, um, Flow Racing, whatever it might be, just doing it live because people are just as willing to watch it live as they are, you know, two, two months later. And yes, you're reaching out to new fans, but it's not always as easy to do that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Rich, uh, this coming year, though, uh, 360 Sprint Cars are actually returning to Black Rock Speedway and now Outlaw Speedway. Uh, do you think that'll help, you know, Sprint Car Racing here in the Northeast? Or, you know, we've seen, you know, going back to, you know, the 04 days, though, we had a pretty, it was a pretty good field of cars, though, that was racing weekly at Black Rock, though. But I feel like times have changed. Uh, what do you see or what can you see though? What could happen though? Racing 360 Sprint cars in New York State um, on a weekly basis going forward. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I was when I heard that, I went, "Wow, okay." Um, and you know, there's a part of me that kind of gets that itch. And it's like, man, I wish I could be at Outlaw every Friday night. Um, you know, Tyler had asked a few years ago, but I told him then. I said, "I'm happy doing Saturday night. Um, Friday night was a lot." Um, Dundee is an hour and 25 minutes compared to 35 for Genesee for me, um, at the end of a work week or, a, you know, te teaching or coaching you know, Friday nights are different than Saturday nights for me. So, um, but there is a part of me that would love to be down there. Um, that said, I think it will boost it up. I think more cars are going to come into it again. Um, guys are going to get that itch back. There's no question that there's a, a void after last season, you know, being particularly difficult to sprint car drivers in New York state um, that the ability to have a home that you can go race at no matter what the season plays out as um, is really important. And guys will travel because guys will get sick of the um, Friday night, you know, routine or something's going on track conditions. We, we saw it with us weekend uh, when they went weekly back in uh, a couple of years after BlackRock did um, guys would run a year or two, then they come and run on tour and then they go back and run, uh, Ash weekend. So it, it definitely helps things. Um, you know, there's, it's always important not to schedule on top of each other. I think that goes a long way, but uh, it'll boost things. Will another track do that? I don't know. Could I see another Canadian track or something, you know, up, um, you know, into Eastern Ontario or Quebec? Yeah, maybe. But um, I think it's going to be positive. Ash weekend, Outlaw, and Land of Legends. Um, I think are three tracks that just always churn out good sprint car racing and, um, and two of them are running sprint cars weekly this year. So, you know, in Canada, it runs the 305s all the time. So those are tracks that you're always going to get a very good show at, at those facilities. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there are sprint cars coming back to Genesee Speedway. Uh, we won't necessarily say the name, uh, Curse yep. my boss though, but um, sprint cars are back though in uh, Batavia for the first time in 
gosh, what was it? 2005, I think it was for the Patriots. So the last time they were there. And so, so we had a Patriot race. I'm trying to think we had a Patriot race in 2000, uh, 2006 and 2007. Gordy Button won the last one okay. with a crazy slide job by Cruder on the final corner. And then I think the year after that, we ran sprint cars, quote unquote, weekly, but it was five or six cars. Uh, there were like three guys that ran every show there um, Mike Lauderborn, Jeremy Barnard. Um, I can't even remember who else it was. So there were a little bit of sprint car racing. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> The, with I, I I found out the news like everybody else, but um, <laughs> no, I'm excited for it. Genesee's um, Genesee's been a great home for five years. Like I said, I've, I've known um, you know the Johnsons and the Fishers for a lot longer, and um, you know the great family. The people at the track are are great. Um, like I said, we had a great year last season to get in racing, and you know it's always exciting when you got sprint cars. We're gonna have a couple late model shows. We're gonna have a uh, modified show again. Um, you know, a lot of cool things that, that get hyped up that, you know, sometimes you miss when you're not out on tour, but, um, yeah, it's going to be a good season there at, at Genesee. Um, as I said, I'm really grateful to be able to be 35 minutes away from the track that allows me to come in and, and do what I want to do. Um, you know, putting the years together, I think this is the what 18th, 19th year of me running around, um, announcing dirt tracks and it's a whole lot of fun. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And well, well, thank you, Rich, though, so much, though, for your time, uh, for joining our podcast this week. And uh, like I said, and what I tell everyone else, though, hopefully we can get back to racing uh, on a more of a normal capacity in uh, 2021. Uh, certainly everything that I'm reading in the last couple of weeks, certainly there's a lot of optimism, though. But uh, best of luck to you uh, this season, and hopefully it is a good one. Thanks. You as well, Paul. I mean, it looks like a, a good Patriot schedule. I know last year was tough, and you know, there's some of those tracks that uh, I think are always just awesome. Woodhall, Pencan, um, I already mentioned Land of Legends, and there's so many others that, you know, traveling around that, you know, if if I could ever sneak away to one of those dates, um, I, I'd want to invade because I, the racing there is just phenomenal. So I know it's going to be a good year on the PSD Tour. Yeah, for sure. You know, and we're returning back to Utica, Roma for the first time since yep. 2014, and I know the last time we were there it was part of the Cold Cup, and uh, Stuart Friesen was there, and you know, we, we've talked off mic before about how fast uh, Utica Rome can be, especially for sprint cars. So um, that's certainly one uh, racetrack I'm personally uh, looking forward to, to uh, getting to and, you know, seeing sprint cars on there. Yeah, especially after a rain delay. I think that was a rain delay show. And the last time I was there was back in October when it rained and I didn't see a race that night. So hopefully the weather's better uh, when, what is that, it, Labor Day weekend? Labor Day weekend. Yeah, yeah Sunday, September 5th. Yeah. Cool. All right, Rich. Well, uh, best of luck to you uh, in everything though that you uh, do uh, this upcoming season, and uh, always looking forward. Always uh, like talking to you as well. Uh, you know about anything racing, though. But uh, hey, have a great season, and uh, hopefully we can do this uh, on a much more normal capacity. Thanks. Appreciate it, Paul. And uh, yeah, best of luck on the road. That interview was brought to you by Mike Emma Motorsports, MEM, the official parts supplier of the Patriot Sprint Tour, where every PST sanctioned event. 
You will find a fully stocked parts trailer so drivers can get the parts that they need to keep them on the track and not sitting in the pits while sprint car racing is ongoing. Whether you race a mini sprint, 305, 360, even up to 410s, Mike Emhoff will have the highest quality of products for your sprint car. To see his full list of inventory, please be sure to visit MikeEmhoff.com. Once again, that is MikeEmhoff.com. Really appreciate Rich Vleck for joining us on the show this week. Uh, really good interview with him and talking about his uh, time on the road with the Patriots Sprint Tour, some a couple of key years, as well as some uh, other events, though, that are ongoing. Uh, really incredible, though. I, I've heard so many stories about that one weekend at Sharing where, where we had so many top-tier, nationally-known drivers uh, racing at that event. And I... Uh, Really put on a show and also seeing some of our local guys be a part of that. You know, like he said, Brian Holland was also in there in the mix with uh, Mr. Schatz as well as uh, Jason Johnson and Jason Myers. And I know there was several other uh, competitors that made the trek down there. And then also talking about the 2012 uh, Series Championship with Scott Cruder winning it and, you know, beating Brian Holland. Brian was the face of the tour. And, uh, Really good interview with Brian uh, that we actually had on this show. That was actually episode two, if you guys want to go back and uh, look at that episode. And and so really cool stuff with uh, Rich. I uh, really want to thank him for the time. And what you might have heard in that interview is that many of you guys obviously knows that the Patriots are returning to Utica Rome Speedway on Sunday, September 5th. Yep. Really excited to, believe it or not, that is actually, this will be my first time ever at Utica Rome Speedway. And um, I've always been told by Mike Mal and uh, several other guys in that central New York area that I need to make a trip to uh, Utica Rome Speedway. And, you know, it was always tough, you know, with uh, being racing on Sunday nights and, you know, you kind of unknown uh, what you were doing on Mondays. And so, um, however, Utica Rome is actually going to be going Friday nights this year as they are under uh, new uh, management this season. Uh, Brett Dale, many of you guys know Brett Dale is the uh, – now three now entering his third season of being the promoter at the Fonda Speedway as well as the Georgetown Speedway down in, uh, down in Delaware. He's also the modified promoter for the Short Track Super Series that we uh, interchange with at several tracks that we also visit. And so Brett's just adding a, another racetrack to his plate for 2021. But if you've ever been to a Brett Dale promoted event, uh, they certainly bring out the best in racing. And so really looking forward to uh, seeing what will take shape at Utica Rome, especially racing uh, Friday nights. That will be also rather interesting because they've been a Sunday night track uh, the last couple of seasons. And so, so yeah, the Patriot Sprint Tour will be there on Sunday, September the 5th. There will be a $3,000 300-win start event. Um, ESS actually races Friday and Saturday at Brewerton and Fulton. So, We'll obviously assume a lot of drivers will also continue their weekend racing at Utica Rome with us uh, that Sunday evening. So really looking forward to that Labor Day event there at the uh, very, very fast half mile up there in uh, Vernon, New York, uh, the same area where we actually held our PST banquet every single year. And so uh, really looking forward to that. Folks, want to thank you once again for listening to this week's episode of PSD Weekly. Thank you once again to Mike Apple Motorsports and Quackenbush Hardware for being continued marketing partners of this podcast. Uh, this was episode number 13. Of course, you can visit PatriotSprintTour.com. You can like the Patriot Sprint Tour on Facebook as well as follow at Patriot Sprints on Twitter and Instagram. So signing off, this is Paul Harkiner. We'll see you guys once again next week on PSD Weekly. 
Goodbye.